This is Nova Church Halifax, where we love God and love people. Tune in as Pastor Mike Miller teaches from God's Word and how we can have a Nova life, a new life. This morning, my message is called Infect and Effect. And we're going to be going through one of my favorite stories, so let's just jump right into it in Mark 5. You guys have your Bibles or your phones? So Mark 5, let's pull it up here. Guys, why don't you do a round of applause to Jeremy back there on the machines? He does an outstanding job every week, man. I can't imagine what it would be like to be on a computer every single Sunday, but he kills it. So Mark 5, and if there's any mistakes up there, it's Jeremy's fault. (laughs) Kidding, kidding. So Mark 5, all right, let's go to verse 25. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd, touched his cloak, because she thought, if I just touched his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately her bleeding stopped, and she felt it in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciple answered, and yet you can ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembled with fear, telling him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. So this passage is a loaded gun. There's so many things to chat about, so let's pray before I begin and jump into it. Jesus, I thank you that we get to come together as a community this morning and explore your word and explore what community actually looks like. Uh, Jesus, I just pray that as I speak, God, as I unfold this story, Jesus, that you would be in it, that you would be teaching from it, God, and that your words would be my words. And I pray for any heart in this room, God, as we gather that just needs something fresh and something new, God, I just pray that literally you would just meet us in every crease, every crevice, every corner of our lives here this morning, Jesus. And I thank you for your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. All the saints said? Amen. Amen. Okay. So you guys are kind of leaving me hanging already. Okay. Okay. Thank you, Andrea. All right. So I don't know about you, but I have a whole vault of embarrassing, shameful stories. But I'm going to share one with you this morning because I got to know you guys a little bit, and I think you guys can handle a little bit of my stories, right? So So Christian's in a band, right? He's in a band called Informants. And we've been touring. I tour with those guys all the time. So we've been touring for about five years. And I tour by myself with four guys, okay? Picture that as you will. It's either in a pickup truck or a bus or, like, our life is not glamorous when we tour. But I have really grown through that experience, I will say. So my life with them is pretty fun, but we love to do certain fun activities every place we go. One of the fun things that we like to do is we love to go to water parks, okay? So everybody actually but Christian likes to go to water parks. It might be because of all the hair. I don't know. You have to ask him later. So me and the guys were like one day we were in this one city and they had a deadly water park, like the coolest one in most of Canada. And so we were like, let's go to this water park and have some fun. And so these three guys are like my brothers, right? Like they are literally like, they're always teasing me, always pushing me. And guys, I was raised by a single mother, so I was taught that I can do things better than men. Okay, I'll just put it right out there. Like that was that attitude that I can do anything, you can do anything, you can conquer the world, girl, you get it. Like that's the way my mom was. And so when I'm around the guys, my competitive side 
which comes out pretty easy anyway, but in front of just a group of guys, it comes out really harsh, right? And these brothers of mine know this because they, they travel with me all the time. And so we go to this water park, and I'm like gung-ho about getting on you know, the wave pool. There's some cool water slides. And as we're walking in, I look up, and there's this water slide that's like on the ceiling. And I'm looking at this thing, and I remember standing there with the guys, and I'm like, yeah, guys, there's no way I'm going on that one. And as soon as I said it, I regretted it. Because they all stopped and they looked at me and they were like, we have to go on that one. Like, we all have to go on this water slide. And so they're begging me at this point. They're like, you've got you to you gotta come with us. You're not actually going to let us go on it and you're not, right? The only girl not going to go on it. And so they really played up my weaknesses. And so I was like, fine, fine, whatever. So we begin to walk up these stairs. And you know you're getting high when the temperature gets cold. So we're literally walking up these stairs and we're getting cold because it's so high up. And when we get to the top of all these stairs, it took us like an hour and a half, we finally got up to the top and we're standing there, the thing gets worse. It's, it's literally like a silicone, like a, I guess I would call it actually a glass coffin is what it looked like, but it was standing upright. And it literally looked like a coffin, so much so that when you got into it, the door opened and it had this suction noise like and it opened, and you had to step into it, it closed, and then it counted down three, two, one, and the floor let go. Right? Like every horrible thing you can possibly imagine put into one little torture chamber. So I was looking at this thing, and I'm like, okay, I like having my choice. I like to jump off high things or, you know, do things and, and be risky because I get to choose at the last minute if I don't want to do it. This thing takes your choice away from you and puts you in a glass coffin and coughs you down and shoot or counts you down and shoots you out, right? That's awful. And so I'm standing there and the guys are ahead of me like, okay, Nicole, you go first. I'm like, dude, there's no way I'm going first. Like, no way. And so one of them was like, okay, listen, I'll go first, but you had to promise that you'll go next. I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure. And so I think it was Dion. He, he got in there first and then he went down. And then it was me supposed to be next. And Parm looked at me and he was like, okay, Nicole, He's more blunt with me. He's like, you said you're going to go, so stop it. Just go. And I'm like, no, 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 you go first. And so he's like, fine, but you better go. I'm like, yes, man, go on. So he got in it, and he went down. And then Micah was like, okay, Nicole, you said you're going. Get in. And I was like, you know what, Micah? I think I'd feel best if I went last. <laughs> and he was like, he looked right at me. And Micah can only be serious sometimes. He looked at, right at me. He's like, do you promise? And I'm like, dude, I promise, right? Like, I promise. And he's like, Okay, and so he gets it. he has a smile on his face because they love anything that tortures me. Best day ever for them. And so they he got into the coffin, closed the door, three, two, one, dropped him down, right? Soon as he dropped, I was like, see you later. Turned around to go back down the stairs, and there was a huge lineup of people. And the first couple people looked at me, and they are like, you promised. <laughs> and I'm like, who thought these people were listening, right? People listen even when you don't think they're listening. And so I was like, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? So then I felt really bad, because now I look like a liar and a scaredy cat. So I was like, okay, I'll get into it. So I get into this water slide, and it gets worse. They make you stand like this, guys. you got to cross one foot over the other and cross over like this. Right? And it counts you down and drops you. And I'm looking at the guy, and I'm like, I felt sick. I don't get nervous very often, but I felt sick. My heart was beating out of my chest. I was literally inside my brain freaking out on so many levels. I wasn't even saying anything to this guy. And so I was there, and he's telling me to cross. I'm crossing. And he goes, okay, you ready? I'm like, dude, just shut the door. 
And so he shuts the door, and uh, it counts down, and it goes three, two, one, two, and it drops me. And I'm, like, going as fast as you can. And I remember, like, going around this thing, and it brought me back to this moment I had with the guys before I got in it about, you know, getting stuck and being afraid and all this stuff and how they bullied me into it. And my head is just, like, spinning as I'm going through, going through all these circles. And, and all of a sudden, I felt my momentum slow down. But I don't see any light yet. And so I'm slowing down, guys. And I'm slowing down on the up part, like coming up. Not even the going down. And so I'm coming up and I'm slowing down. And literally I'm like this and I'm freaking out. Like every fiber in my being is trying to keep it together at this point. And I go from being like this, I'm upside down in a water slide. And all I could think of in my head was I'm going to slip back down this water slide and bang my head and never be able to do anything like this again. And like literally going through my mind. And so all of a sudden near the top when I was like literally completely upside down, I starfished. I'm upside down in a, water, in a water slide, stuck, starfished. And I'm there for like, it seems like forever. And finally, I hear this voice behind me. Hello up there. And I'm like, hey. <laughs> and this, this dude is like, this kid is like, yeah, so like, do you, like, what do you want to do? I'm like, well, what can I do? Like, can I come back down? He's like, you're going to have to let go. And I was like, okay. So I had to let go and slide back down to the end of the water slide, like back down to the, where the loop had started. And I got down there, and there's an emergency trap door <laughs> that had been opened for me. Who knew they had these? I didn't even know. If I knew, maybe I would have felt a little better. But anyway, there's this little guy standing there. He's about 14, 15 years old. And I'm like... He's like, it's okay, right, really nice. He's like, it's okay. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I was like, this must happen all the time. Hey, he's like, no, but it's okay. <laughs> and I get out of the water slide, and I walk down the stairs of shame. And I come up to the guys, and, like, the guys run up to me like, oh, my God, are you okay? No, they were laughing so hard, I thought Michael was going to throw up in the pool. Like, it was the funniest thing they ever seen. And so this was this crazy moment of embarrassment and shame for me. And when you look at the definition of embarrassment and shame... It's, it, it, what is, what the best way of wrapping it up is saying a loss of honor or dignity. And in that moment, I had a huge loss of honor and dignity, right? I looked pretty dumb. But when I go into this story, and I start to pick it apart, the story in Mark was about this woman, I am like totally rocked to the core of how intense this story is with shame and embarrassment. So looking back into this story, we heard right off the gecko of a woman who had an issue of blood. AKA, she was on her period every day for 12 years. Okay? We'll just call it what it is. Because I hate when we don't. So for 12 years, this was what she dealt with every day. Crazy, right? But when you look at the history of when this took place, a woman being on her period was one of the worst possible dirty things that a woman could be going through, or any human could be going through in the time. It was so bad, you were segregated, you were not talked to, you were kept to yourself. It was right up there. They had all these rules and laws of what made you the dirtiest if you did this. And it was literally right up there with touching a dead body, being on your period. Like, that's crazy, right? So when we look at this woman, who she didn't just have a period every month like a normal person, or most normal people, this was something she dealt with every single day. And because of it, it had caused her to be completely rejected, completely segregated, completely forgotten, seen as forever dirty, forever untouchable. You can imagine that she had no friends. She had nobody backing her up. She had nobody loving on her. She was alone and vulnerable. This was this woman's life 
when you look at this story. That is crazy. That on top of being anemic because of all the loss of blood, or that on top of being crooked and cranky and grumpy because she's constantly in pain from her cramps. Nobody in this room think that this is a woman's message right now. Please don't think that. Right? Okay, follow me here. But this was her life. And every woman who really reads this story pictures what this would really be like for them. And every husband in this room pictures of what this woman probably looked like and felt like and walked through every single day of her life physically. You want to tie that into the emotional part of it? Here this woman walks around feeling like dirt, forgotten, empty, rejected, no hope. Nobody could heal her. People took advantage of her. Can you imagine right now on your skin, right, everyone sitting next to you, right now on your skin, every horrible thing you've ever done, every horrible thing you've ever said, every horrible thought you thought this week, the gossip that you shared, maybe it was what you looked at when nobody was around, if all those things appeared on your skin right now and everybody could see it and make a judgment call on you, that is how this woman felt. If that's not sobering, nothing is. But this woman decided to have an interaction with Jesus. And I want to talk to you this morning about what an interaction with Jesus looks like, what it is, what it feels like this morning. So let's go right back about when she first approaches Jesus. So this woman, she goes through a crowd, right? So she had been told to get away from people. Her just touching somebody made them dirty. But this woman decided to push through a crowd of people to get towards Jesus because she heard about his goodness. That's all. She heard that he healed. That's all. And so she begins to push through this crowd to be able to have an interaction with Jesus. And when she gets to him, she touches his cloak because she thinks in her mind, just by touching him, magic, right? It's kind of when I read that after knowing God for a, a lot of years and I have my faith kind of foundation in certain ways. When I read that the first time, I was like, that's weird. Right? We don't, we don't need to just go up and touch him and get some mad. It's not Harry Potter. You know what I mean? It's not that same kind of thing. But she thought she didn't know anything. She just went up to him and she touched his cloak and her body was healed. Because, guys, you can be yourself with Jesus. You can be yourself with Jesus. You can go and approach Jesus. You can approach God in the most flawed, messed up, dirty, rotten ways. And he does not turn you void. He does not turn you away. He invites you in. Isn't that the coolest news ever? That you don't have to have it figured out. You don't need to have your, your theology degree. You don't need to have everything perfectly creased when you approach your God. Because that is not what is important to him. His, the importance to him is that act of faith of just coming up and being like, I heard about you. That is so good. And then you see this exchange between Jesus and this woman that blows my mind because... First, you hear some sarcasm because Jesus stops everything. He feels this touch. He feels power go out from him. And he decides to stop everything. Not by accident, I might point out. He's God. He knows who touched him. He created the heavens and the earth. He doesn't need to stop everything to figure out who touched him. He wanted to set up a platform, guys. He wanted to set up a moment in this culture. He was doing something cool in this moment. And what he did is he said, wait a minute, I want to stop everything because people are following me, people are listening to me. I want to stop everything and I want, to, I want to point out who touched me. So who was it that touched me? And his disciples around him were annoyed with him. They were sarcastic with him. They were like, dude, like, 
how are we supposed to know who touched you? We're in a crowd of people. If you push through this crowd right now, you're going to touch off a bunch of people. Like, this, this is just common knowledge. But Jesus is like, no, I want to know who touched me. I want to know who touched me. He stopped everything. And this woman came up to him, and she was really nervous. She was afraid. She was trembling at his feet. And she came up to him, and she knelt at his feet. Guys, you can be brave with how you approach Jesus. You can be brave about coming to your God because he is consistent in how he greets you. He is consistent in how he meets you. Here is this woman who came up to him with all this baggage. There's a history lesson here about how unclean she is, and he sets the stage. He sets a platform for her so that he can rewrite what it means to be clean. In that moment, he rewrites everything. That's amazing. He stopped everything to point out that she, she came to him and she's healed. He wanted to set something up in that moment. And then he looks at her, guys. He looks at her after she came to his feet. And he says to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Do you know that that's the first and the last time Jesus calls anybody daughter? Did you know that? He looks at this woman who was so forgotten and so far gone to so many people. He stops everything, gives her a platform to be healed and set free. Because my friends here today, you can be safe with Jesus. You can be safe with God because he is consistent in putting value and identity back into people. He stops everything to do it. He stops every time to do it, guys. Every single time. And it doesn't matter if he has to rewrite history or reset boundaries or reset it all. He will literally do it every time because he sees the individual. He, look, he doesn't look in the crowd for your shame. He looks in the crowd for you. And Matt touched on that last week. He is so good at doing that. So when you come to him, when you read your word and you read the Bible and you see his consistent goodness, when you come to God and you come to Jesus, it's not this fearful, I'm not good enough attitude. It's like, I'm coming home to the Father. And I know he's going to stop everything and he's going to set it right. Man, that's, that's like, that sets me on fire when I hear it because it makes it so different for me. Because, guys, we serve a God who literally wants to have this interaction with us so he can infect our life with hope, so that we can go out and affect the world around us. You get that? Infect and affect. He wants to infect our life. He wants to have an interaction with us that just deposits hope in our life so we can go out into the world that we live in and we can actually bring effect and change. But we have to get this. We have to understand it. And you know what? It won't happen without that exchange. It won't happen if we don't actually understand the love of God. It just does not happen. And in my life, I've had a super hard time understanding the love of God, especially the father love of God, the father's love of God. I grew up in a really dysfunctional home. I've said that a couple times joking around, but it is true. I grew up with a single mom, and our lives were really, really different. Have any of you guys were raised by single moms in the house? If you have, I love you. 
I was raised by a single mom, and so I had an older brother, and I had a middle sister, and it was me. And our life looked pretty difficult sometimes, pretty bleak in different ways. And we never always had food in the cupboards. Um, we never always did the right thing. I couldn't go on field trips sometimes because we didn't have any money. Our lives looked really, really different than a lot of what our life, mine and Christian's life look like today. And so I grew up with some turmoil going on. And my brother was actually one of those, those reasons we had so much conflict going on in our life. And so my brother was a really good dude. Like I said, he was, he was the older brother. But he used to get himself into some trouble. And he, he started, he had a dad that kind of influenced his life um, in a really, really negative way. His dad was into a lot of drugs and uh, into a lot of criminal activity. And so when my brother got to be about 15 years old, he began to behave like his father, thinking that he had to become like his dad. And so I remember as a little girl not understanding a whole lot. I was about six at the time. And I remember looking at, at different things that were happening. I remember my mom crying over him, almost going to juvie. I remember all these different things happening in our home, phone calls from the police, all these different things. And I didn't know my brother like that. I seen him in a different light. So seeing that he was into so much trouble, it was hard for me to understand. But I have this one memory in my head, one memory in my head of this, this crazy interaction because me and my mom were going to go pick up my brother one day from high school. And his high school was on a hill. And we pulled over to the side like every other day of me and my mom going to pick up my brother. And we pulled the car over to the side of the road. And my mom put the car in park. And my mom was probably, it's probably about this tall, guys. Like she's the most amazing woman I know. And she's about this tall, so she's shorter than me. And so she pulled the car over and she pulled the car in park. And we sat there waiting. And I remember looking out the window and just staring at it and staring at the street and watching kids. And all of a sudden, my brother ran past the window, like a bullet past the window. And I remember being like, my brother does not run. Like, where, where is he going? And my mom was like, where, where is he going? And he ran right past the car, and he was running down the street. And as he went past us, all of a sudden, a group of guys went right past our window right after him. They were chasing after him. And he was, they were mad guys. Like, they were getting ready to beat crap out of him like legit they were so angry and they were screaming things at him as they ran and they were running after him and running after him and they were starting to gather at the bottom of the street and my mom opened up the door and she took off from the car from the car and ran down the street after this group of guys my little mama was running down the street after this group of guys and by the time she got down there there was a circle around my brother a big circle and in the middle was my brother and this guy, this great big guy. And he had my brother by the collar. And my mom pushed through these guys. She pushed through them. And she looked at this guy who had a hold of my brother. And she said, get your hands off my son. It's more like this. <laughs> get your hands off my son. And this guy looked at my mom. He's like, no, no, you don't know what he did. You don't know what he said. You don't know what he is. And my mom said, I don't care what he is. I don't care what he's done. I don't care what you call him. He's coming home with me. He is coming home with me. He's my son. And he's coming home with me. Do you guys get what kind of picture that is? When you go home tonight and you go in your room or you go home to your families or you go home to your jobs, when you're home here tonight and you're all alone, you have your thoughts of rejection or your anxiety or your suicide or your self-worth. When you have your issues with your marriage, when you have your issues with your children, 
when all these things come grabbing you by the collar. You have a God that steps up and says, get your hands off my son. Get your hands off my daughter. They're with me. They are with me. Someone in the room here tonight needs to know or today needs to know that. You have a God who steps up every time. He doesn't care what you've done. He doesn't care when you mess up. He doesn't care how far you are away from your purpose or how close you are to it. You are his son. You are his daughter. And that is what matters to him. And when you forget, he's there to call you back. And when you need a new platform because all the people around you don't get it, he's there to call you back. He's consistent in how he loves you. So when you approach him, you know that you can be yourself. You know you can be brave because he calls you son and daughter. And you know that you are safe because he heals. And there are people in this room today that need to understand that you serve a God that heals you emotionally and physically. Do you guys know that today? You serve a God that loves you desperately. He chases after you. He protects you. He rewrites things in you. He's all about fresh identity and fresh things. Man. And guys, there's, some, there's definitely someone in this room here today that's thinking, you know what? I'm actually that person that still feels like I need healing, so I can't really do a whole lot with my life. I'm kind of just stuck in this place of where I need healing. You guys want a great example? What a great example of some faith and hope. Jesus, when he was receiving the most horrible execution, when he was whipped and beaten and tortured and thrown up on a cross, where he had nails in his hands and blood streaming out of his feet, when he hung there in amidst the greatest pain, physical pain he could ever witness or have, he hung there between two thieves and he looked and he offered salvation. Guys, you can save in the midst of your suffering. You can pick it up today and you can do something amazing. You can do something crazy with your life. You can hear this message today and not just think that you're still stuck waiting for your healing, but that you're somebody who can save. You can give yourself purpose this morning. God is just so faithful. He's faithful in our battles. He's faithful in what you're going through. He sees you. He stops the crowd. And this morning, I want you to picture this moment as a moment when God is actually stopping in the crowd and looking for you. I want you to have your moment this morning of thinking of that. Like you're literally in a crowd and you have a God that stopped everything for you. You have a God that wants to identify you and put true titles on you and call you up and heal you and set you free so that you can go out and you can work on this world. So this morning, I want to pray for you guys. I want to pray for you guys. I'm going to get everybody to close their eyes here this morning. 
just out of respect to one another. And I'm going to pray for two different groups of people. And I'm believing this morning that there's going to be chains falling off and breaking off today. That there's going to be people in this room that are going to gain confidence this morning in who God is. It's so okay. It's so okay to struggle with who God is, guys. It's so okay to struggle with faith. But you keep moving with it. You keep digging in. And I promise you that God will reveal who he is to you. So the first group of people I want to pray for, I want to pray for the people in this room that feel like they got nothing to give. That you feel like you've just been beaten down so much in your life that you don't know how to save anyone because you can't even save yourself. So if you feel like you relate to that this morning, can you put your hand up with every eye closed in this room? Please put your hand up so I can see you and pray for you. Jesus, I pray for every hand in this room. And even those who haven't put their hands up, God, I pray for the hearts in this room that feel like, you know what? I don't have anything to give. I have nothing to give. Lord, I pray into the places in their heart that just need your strength this morning, God. I pray to the places that need courage, God, that need something fresh today, Lord. And I just pray for this vicious reminder to come forth within them of the God that they serve, that they serve a God that was beaten down so badly that he, and he still, no matter what, he still offers salvation because he knew what it meant to be saved. He knew that salvation means setting somebody free and that that purpose is worth way more than what I go through. So Lord, I just pray that 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 strength, that vicious strength would rise up in people's hearts this morning and that they would be so gung-ho about going into the world and saving people. They would give themselves purpose, a gospel purpose. And I believe that when they do that, God, that their chains will fall off. The things that they struggle with will fall off as they continue to serve with you, Jesus. The next group of people I want to pray for. Oh, Jesus. I, I want to pray for those who need to feel just some love this morning from God. Like you're hearing this story and you're hearing about God meeting us and and you, you do do stuff. You are on teams. You are leadership. You are all those things. But you just feel like you still don't get it sometimes. And sometimes when you wake up and you look in the mirror, you see a mistake. And sometimes when you wake up, you hate who you see. And sometimes when you even see pictures of yourself, you can't stand what you look like. I want to pray for the hearts in this room that just need to know who their identity is in God. So if you feel like today you need that reminder, why don't you throw your hand up. My hand's going up with you today. Jesus, I pray for the hearts in this room that just need a reminder of who you are in their life. They need a reminder of your goodness and what you call them, that you call them sons and daughters. And there's people in this room today that can't relate to the physical being of a son and daughter, Lord. So I just pray that you would just give them something more, that you would give them that God identity of being a son and daughter today, Jesus. That you would show them the Father heart of God this morning, Jesus, and that they would see your love in their life. When they look in the mirror, they don't just see themselves, they see a God who has called them apart. Jesus, I thank you for the good work that you've begun today, that you will finish it. And that I'm staring at a group of people who don't care how hard it is or how many scrapes or bruises they get, they are going to be dedicated to making sure it gets finished that the good work that you started, Jesus, that we will be dedicated to seeing it be finished, God. 
And I also wanna put it out there today, guys, if you don't know who Jesus is, if you, this is your first time hearing who God is this morning, I wanna give you an invitation to get to know who he is. And the way that we usually do this in church is, is we kinda do it as like a, a salvation message or a salvation moment. And so today I want you guys to keep your eyes closed, but if there's anybody in this room that's like, you know what, I wanna start my life with God. I wanna live my life with purpose. I wanna get to know a God who created me for something more than the world around me. I wanna start living my true identity. I wanna get closer to Jesus. If you're here this morning and that's something for you, why don't you raise your hand here this morning? Thank you. Anybody else here this morning that wants to just claim that moment or own that moment this morning that you just want to start living a life that's different for Jesus, you can just shoot your hand up. And it's super easy, those who have raised your hand, all you literally have to do is like, in this moment, be like, God, I believe that you are God. Jesus, I believe that you are Jesus, that you are the Son of God. I believe that I fall short when I make mistakes in my sin and my selfishness, God, but I want to serve life with you. I want to start my life with you. It's not this magic, crazy moment. It's literally a decision to profess what you think God is. And you don't have to be perfect in this moment. You don't have to have it all figured out. I just gave you proof enough that you can walk away in this moment and know that even though everything you might believe is flawed, everything in your life might be a mistake or maybe you're conflicted or whatever, it doesn't have to be perfect in this moment for you to meet God. And I just totally kicked that thought out of the room. You do not have to be perfect to meet God. And in fact, he looks for you, even when you try to get away. So Lord, let's, let's wrap this up with a prayer together. God, I just pray, Jesus, that as we continue one more song in worship, God, that you would just, just fill us with this overwhelming sense of identity that we would know who we are, know who we're called to be, God. And that we would be brave in everything that you call us to be, Jesus. Brave in every moment, God, at every time, Jesus. I thank you for the hearts in this room that are dealing with major issues, God. I just pray that you would just, just take that magnifying glass off the issues and place it on who you are and what you can do in their lives today, Jesus. And everybody said,